0: Welcome to Heavy Hitter Sports, the podcast focused on inspiring game changers. I'm your host, Mark Hogesang. It's a year late given the pandemic, but the Summer Olympics and Paralympics are fast approaching. Bugler's Dream has been used as the Olympic theme since 1968 and is the most iconic and emotionally charged music in sports. It conjures up images of painstaking training and athletic grandeur. And it also doubles as a soundtrack for athletes around the world who have toiled for years to compete in the games, and hopefully stand proudly upon the medal stand. And that's been the quest of our guest David Gelfand, one of America's premier Paris swimming stars. David was born with a short left leg at an early age set of sights on one day competing in the Paralympics. He'll be discussing his 14-month stay in the U.S. Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, his hopes for Tokyo and beyond, and his hometown neighbor, Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. And yes, David's favorite superhero is fittingly Captain America. Now let's dive into today's interview. David, welcome. I really appreciate you joining the show and thanks so much for jumping out of the pool and taking some time out of your hectic training schedule. We're gonna talk about where you physically are right now because it's your second home. And we're also gonna talk about some of your upcoming aspirations for the swimming trials that are on the immediate horizon and then hopefully a trip to Tokyo. But before we do that, can you kind of set the stage for us and talk a little bit about your childhood and a physical condition that presented challenges at that point and also puts you now into the Paralympics?
1: Yeah, well, thanks Thanks for having me on, Mark. It's cool to be able to to be on your podcast and speaking speaking to everyone. So it's been a it's been a really cool journey for me over my life. I started swimming as early as I can remember with Daddy and me swim lessons at our local JCC. For as long as I can remember, I've enjoyed loving the water and loving being in the pool and spun somewhere that I don't have to, that I can take off my leg and I can feel free and I can really just compete and test myself and sort of see see what I can do. So it's been it's been a cool journey as I've gotten gotten older and climbed the ladder of the Paralympics and been aiming towards making the team in Tokyo.
0: How early on did you start thinking about that as a, an ultimate goal, going to the Paralympics?
1: Yeah. So I got exposed to the Paralympics at a fairly early age. From age seven or eight, I would tell my parents, I want to go to the Paralympics and I, wanted, I want to do an Ironman. And it was really all because I was involved in the Challenged Athletes Foundation from a young age. And the Challenge Athletes Foundation was a really great organization. They do incredibly great things to support people with physical disabilities. And they introduce me to through their events through the triathlon in San Diego that they hold every year and the other clinics that they had I met Paralympic athletes I met people who've done Ironmans I met all these incredible people who had disabilities just like me and from that point I was like I want to I want to be like them after seeing seeing what they could do and seeing the accomplishments that they had achieved I told my parents that looks really cool I want to do that
0: and it's what all parents, they think their child can do anything, right? So I'm assuming they were encouraging. But did they really buy into it as you bought into it? Did they just see that conviction and go like, "Of course, he's going to do this"?
1: Yeah, and I think I think over time, I mean, I, my family is sort of eh, on the the sportiness side of the spectrum. I think at the end of the day, they were supportive and they got me to wherever I wanted to go, and they were super supportive. And I I think they were happy with wherever I wanted to go. They were happy to support me and say, okay, if you want to, if you want to go to the Paralympics, we will support you every step along the way. If you just, if you decide at a certain point that you're done, done with swimming, done with whatever, then that's great too.
0: Were they more excited that you got into Tufts and made the swimming team or the fact that you chose mechanical engineering as your major?
1: When I was searching for schools, I was looking for somewhere that was, that had both of those aspects that had somewhere that I could be a part of the team and be a part, be able to swim and compete on a college team. But coming out of high school, I knew I wanted to do mechanical engineering. So I knew I was looking for that in my, where I, where I was searching. And I knew when I found Tufts, I found somewhere where I could do both and do both really successfully. So my war. parents were happy that I was able to, to find, to find somewhere like that. And you were very
0: successful in high school as well, both academically, but then also on the swim team, because you guys actually won a conference championship, which I guess the school had never won before at Weston High.
1: Yeah. Or so at Weston High School, We'd actually won our conf. We've won. We didn't win our conference championships any year during high school, but we okay. won the state championships oh. for our division. Right for our oh. size, so we won that all four years Amazing. while I was on the team, which was really, which was a really cool experience being part of it, being a part of that, and being part of the team through that, and being being a captain of that team my senior year and That's helping impressive. to lead lead to to that fourth consecutive championship.
0: Can you talk a little bit about your coach Tom Grace and your teammates and the the whole kind of environment that. There when you were in high school yeah it was
1: really cool I enjoyed being on my being on my high school team and being with a group of guys from my school when it's and I mean I really I think my a lot of my best training and my growth as an athlete came from my club swimming and my swimming with the wilton wahoos but it was really cool to learn how to how to race how to step up once twice a week when I was racing with the high school team over the winter season and have a team behind you cheering you on in a different in a different way it was a good experience to be able to compete with them and be a part of the team
0: and where does your competitive drive come from
1: i think it comes from just a want a desire to be faster to beat the be the person next to me to see what i can do and i think it just comes from a love of the of the sport
0: and it's interesting too because it's such an individualistic sport swimming obviously but it is a team sport as well can you talk a little bit about that Definitely. dynamic
1: yeah every time you're in your training you're competing i mean you're in a lane with your by your yourself but it really is you have a whole team behind you that's the that's the beauty of it while you're there training to push you that little bit harder to get you to push beyond what you think you can do It's not an easy sport. It's never easy to push beyond what you what you think you can do, but it makes it just that much easier if you have somebody next to you that you want to beat that you that you want to and you're all you're all in it together and you're all you all have similar goals. And that's just what makes it makes it that much easier to achieve what you want to achieve when you have that whole team behind you, that's, that's really cool, right?
0: Can we back up a little bit and then kind of explain for our listeners, your disability, the PFFD and kind of give them a sense for kind of what it is and the challenges that has been presented?
1: Yeah, so PFFD is proximal focal femoral deficiency, and I was born with a short leg. So means that my leg is right above my knee on my left side. So I don't, have a left knee so with my disability it was it's interesting I have a, a foot on that left side so I have toes and stuff but I don't it doesn't I don't have a knee I don't have any of those those pieces so I really so I use a prosthetic to get around in my daily life to hike to do whatever whatever I'm doing in the day when I'm in the gym or whatever else and then I compete without without my prosthetic on
0: and you talked a little bit about the help that you got from Caf early on and some of the inspiration mm-hmm. you got from some of those athletes, was there one that stood out above all else, whether it was Sarah maybe, or was there somebody that you really looked up to as, okay, that's exactly who I want to model my career, my life after, given how successful they've been with a disability?
1: Yeah. And I think one of the, there were really two early role models for me. I mean, it was Sarah, Sarah Anderson, who was a, was a Paralympian and Ironman athlete. So I definitely looked up to her. And I also looked up to Rudy Garcia-Tolson, who's also, also incredible athlete, Paralympian, multiple three-year. Four-time Paralympian um, in swimming, so that was those two people. Especially, especially Rudy helped to really cement that desire to compete at the Paralympics and to to achieve at that level and at this level.
0: Is there now that you look at it, kind of given where you are right now, is there a Paralympic goat? Is there somebody who's just at the apex of whether it be swimming or another sport?
1: Well, there's a few in track and field. There's Tatiana McFadden. She's an incredible athlete. Won multiple golds in swimming. There's Jessica Long, who's actually one of my teammates at the moment.
0: So let's talk about some of the difficulties associated with COVID and actually, of course, the delaying of the games. Because as we talked before we got on live here, you've been in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center now for quite some time. And then how have you had to alter your mindset?
1: Yeah, so I mean, when when everything got delayed, started to get delayed in March, that was really, I really just, I had a few, a few close friends out here with me. And we sort of said a year away our coach said it well it's either improve or you go move back or like you go backwards so we did our best to find find ways to get better and to find ways to to improve and to stay stay in shape while we didn't have access to a pool and while we weren't able to train consistently so we found a way and i think at the end of the day it was just remembering it's it made it was delayed a year there the world is upside down but let's it's been upside it's upside down for everybody in the world. Let's find a way to make ourselves better. Then let's make use of this opportunity to of this delay and say, let's find a way to make it better for, oh, for us.
0: I think that's great. And as I, as I listen to you talk, I also realized that, of course, the Olympics, the Paralympics is such a source of inspiration for people around the world. It is that galvanizing event that comes every four years. Can you also paint the picture now that you are in the one training center in Colorado Springs. Tell us what that's like, who you interact with, how often you're in the pool, how much during the day you're training versus relaxing and recovering.
1: It's been a really cool experience and a really an experience I'm incredibly grateful for to be able to be at the Olympic training center for the last year and four months. It's been an incredible journey. I get to interact with a number of other incredible athletes on a daily basis. I mean, my I was talking about earlier one of my teammates who's out here at the moment, Jessica Long, multi paralympic gold medalist, which has been really which has been really awesome to be able to train with her and all the other athletes that are out here at the moment, not just from the swimmers, but from other sports too. I mean, we also at the training center at the moment are a number of athletes who are really awesome. And there's also some, some paracyclists, there's fencers, there's gymnasts, there's a whole host of other athletes. And it's really cool to be able to interact and meet with them and talk to them about their, their different but similar journeys. You
0: have just come out of a, a tough, challenging, important meet back in Dallas a couple of weeks back. Can you tell us about that and how things went and what that means now for a future meet prior to Tokyo?
1: Yeah. So a few weeks ago, I recently got back from from the World Para Swimming World Series in Dallas, so that was our first qualification opportunity for Tokyo. So that was that was our first meet in over in a year and four or five months since last since December of 2019 and it was really cool to be able to get up and race and start to get those times that we needed to be able to to qualify for Tokyo and to put our put those get ourselves get those times and get some times that count towards qualification so how the qualification for us works is that the is that we need to have times that are number one under the MQS which is the minimum qualifying standard which is the cut that we need to get to be eligible to be selected to the meet so that was the first hurdle that i over that i was able to overcome and drop a few seconds in my best race which is my 200 IM, to be able to achieve that goal which was really exciting for me
0: you hold a record in that do you not
1: in the short course version yeah i do I hold the American record in short course, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it was definitely a big accomplishment though, to be able to, to get, to get that time, to get the time down in long course. How many other events did you swim in? I swam three races. So I swam the hundred fly, hundred free and 2am. So what's next?
0: What's next along the journey? Now there's a, the trials in Minneapolis. Is that what's coming up?
1: Yeah. So, so next stop is the trials. It's the U.S. Paralympic Team Trials, and there we'll have another opportunity to, to get those times in, which will be used to rank the U.S. swimmers and to select the 10 men's athletes that will be on the team. So based on our, our time and how close we are to third place in the world, that will determine if we're able to make the team.
0: From a country standpoint, who's the reigning title holder when it comes to para swimming right now?
1: The U.S., especially on the women's side, is really good. Our men's side, is definitely more on the up-and-coming. But some of the really dominant countries in the world for para-swimming are Australia, Russia, Ukraine, and Great Britain.
0: So how are things being handled from a COVID standpoint? What what makes the most recent tournament swim meet so different from previous ones that you've been to?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a bit different. We have to show up many days before, get tested, and go through all the COVID protocols before we are able to start, start racing. And then once we're at the meet, they give us lane assignments to warm up in. We have to sit six feet apart and we have to wear masks up until the time that we start swimming. And there's all there's a lot of protocols in place to keep us safe, which are great.
0: So is your hope coming up in the trials in Minneapolis to qualify in all three events?
1: So actually the 100 free will not be able, I I can't be selected in the 100 free. It's not an event for my classification in Tokyo. So I'm hoping to, in Tokyo, qualify in the 200 I and possibly also swim and compete in the 100 fly, the 400, and possibly possibly another event too.
0: Paralympics follow the Olympics or do they run in yes. tandem?
1: They follow the Olympics, same same venues, same village, same all of that.
0: Just ensures you're in the dead of heat within Japan at that time, right in August.
1: Yeah, they've been working, working with a lot of our athletes on the Paralympic side, especially to figure out cooling strategies to make sure we're, we're ready to compete at our highest level despite the the heat that's expected during that time of the year.
0: Well, and it looks like the the new aquatic center, which was built from the ground up, and I believe it cost 520 million. So is the temperature yeah. controlled? I mean, are you out of the heat in that environment?
1: Usually, yeah. Yeah, right. usually. I, I believe it it is air conditioned. Right.
0: Since you are sequestered with other Olympic athletes to be, have you talked about kind of what you think that village is going to be like when you do get to
1: Tokyo? Yeah, it's definitely going to be different from prior Olympic and Paralympic villages. I think we're sort of waiting to hear a little bit more what it's going to be like exactly as the paralympic games releases playbooks and what and plans for what it's going to look like but up to this point we've heard some of what it is and and it's pretty it's similar to what you'd expect of like you have to maintain social distancing and all all of those those pieces and eating eating apart and doing doing the safe things to keep us all safe.
0: Right. And if I understand so, this correctly, Japanese citizens will be able to attend the events, but no foreigners. That's at the moment. Does that preclude your family from traveling or what's the what's the family plan as it pertains to Tokyo? Will they just yeah, be I watching that, live streaming from home?
1: Yeah, they'll be able to watch it, watch it on TV. That's great for
0: mom and dad and your sister. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's one of the shortcomings associated with this. How important is visualization for you as you get ready for big meets? Is that something that you focus in on and kind of what are you thinking pertinent to the trials that are coming up and then hopefully the games because the winning, the losing, the first the second, the third is just a matter of seconds right and every race from this point yeah. forward means so much so how do you address the pressure and knock out all those distractions that might be there? Yeah I
1: think it, it really just means thinking about while I'm, while I'm in the water I I go through while I'm warming up or while I'm cooling down or in the middle of sets I'll think about like how how I want to execute my race and think about those different pieces and think about where I'm thinking about how it's going to feel, visualize the the hurt at the last on the last 50 meters of my freestyle my I am think about how and just think about the details and so I practice them so that I know when it comes time to race the trials and race at at games hopefully that I'll be that I'll be ready to compete and ready to execute it as as I need to
0: that's great my assumption is the Olympics are going to be great for you the Paralympics are going to be great have you thought about kind of on that plane ride home what's next for you is it continued training and getting ready for the Games in four years and the world championships in between, or it's going to be finishing up school because it sounds like you've got yeah. another semester to go before you graduate from Tufts.
1: So I'll definitely, definitely be going back to school and I'll be, I'll be excited to, to go back and be able to swim with the team there again and train and go back, go back to, go back to Tufts. And I think at the moment, I haven't figured that out quite yet. I mean, I'll definitely, definitely keep swimming. I'm not really sure where, where it will take me at this point. I haven't planned past Tokyo. I mean, right now it's really the all in on making right. the team in in Minneapolis in a month from now
0: makes total sense if you fast forward a year or two in advance and you're in your career as a mechanical engineer what are you thinking what would what would be the dream job for you what do you want to be doing
1: yeah i mean i want to work my goal is to work in the i really want I'm passionate about the the medical device industry and i'm really excited about working in r&d department at a company that makes products that are that help people to recover faster from surgeries to have better outcomes. To be, to live better and to live better lives. So that's. That's the goal.
0: That's great. Part we talked a little bit about tests like and, and both competing as an athlete and as a student, but I mean, you think about what has to go into being a competitive swimmer at the collegiate level, and then also being a mechanical engineer. How were you able to balance the pressures of both? Because that must have taken some tremendous focus and discipline, and giving up yeah, some definitely. things on the side I mean, as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely making the decision and choosing to compete at the level that I that I compete has come with some sacrifice. Learned how to manage time and. Be thoughtful in how I'm making, choosing to spend my time to really make the most of it and help and get out everything I want to out of the various aspects of college life and swimming and engineering and all that.
0: Given your focus, your talent, your ambitions, you've been able to achieve so much and you're 22 now correct so yes. you've been able to accomplish quite a bit in a short period of time if you could look back what advice would you give your younger son? yeah
1: i think really just stay focused on what you're excited about find 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 things that you're excited to do and make you make you happy and make you feel excited then go towards that and and try to find th- find that outlet that makes you excited to go swim every day go work on the problem sets
0: is there a place a time where you're happiest right now is it in the pool or is it something else that just gets you going on a consistent basis? I mean, it's
1: definitely, definitely inside the pool. I enjoy that. But also I, I've been really enjoying getting to spend time with some of my teammates hiking and doing, doing other things outside of the pool. have been really, really excited, like really rewarding and a lot of fun. I've been really enjoying, enjoying that and enjoying the, the beautiful Colorado spring and the beautiful mountains. So that's definitely been, been really rewarding.
0: Well, yeah, you've had the advantage of growing up in a beautiful area and, in, in well, And can you talk a little bit about that and kind of the natural beauty there as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I was pretty, pretty lucky to grow up where I grew up in Weston, Connecticut. I mean, it's a, that's a beautiful area too, with lots of ponds and trees and forests and lots of beautiful places to hike and where. Right by the sound there, it's, it's pretty cool to grow up there and grow up in that in that town.
0: Yeah, and it's not the typical question that I would ask a guest, but do you know Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones?
1: I do, yeah. He lives in Weston, I believe. Yeah,
0: he yeah. does. I think he's got a $340 million home. Not bad for a neighbor. Let's wrap with a lightning round of questions. Some quick hitters. If you could have a beer or a coffee with anybody living or dead, who would it be?
1: Ooh, I think maybe former President Obama. That'd be really cool. That's great. Favorite superhero and why? Favorite superhero. Hmm. Favorite superhero. Go with Captain America. I think I just appreciate the, the work ethic and just to get back up and keep working. I mean, if something knocks you down. You just find, find a way. Find a way to do what you what you need to and get the work done.
0: Well, that sounds like the perfect answer for a member of the US Paralympic swimming team as well. If a friend of yours was asked what David's superpower or X factor is, what would they say?
1: Hmm, I would say, I'd probably say my drive just to achieve. Achieve the things that I've wanted to, and just going and getting them, and putting it, putting in the work day after day to achieve those goals. It's pretty, it's pretty lofty goals that I have.
0: Favorite board game? Favorite
1: board game? Stratego.
0: Oh wow, that takes me back. On a more serious vein, as you're flying back from Tokyo, what do you hope to be thinking? What do you hope to have accomplished
1: on the way back from Tokyo? I'm really just hoping to be happy with with the experience and be happy with with what I with achieving what I what I went there to do and doing doing all all that I can to represent team USA and have a really awesome experience in the process. That sounds great.
0: One final question for you. Any advice that you might offer our listeners who might be facing their own unique challenges?
1: Yeah, I think really just hard work and dedication can go go really long ways and it's really just and also remembering that the journey is supposed to be be fun. It's not it, it isn't always like you ha- you got to enjoy enjoy what you're doing and that's what that's part of what makes makes everything fulfilling when you achieve it and enjoy enjoy the process as much as the goals great advice
0: thank you david that's amazing i wish you the best of the luck in the upcoming trials in minneapolis in june and then beyond in tokyo and bring home some of that hardware and for the listeners as well i'll take them later on kind of based on what happens here in june and then beyond in august within tokyo just to make sure that they can track and follow your career as it advances so thank you so much really
1: appreciated having me on the show. thank you for having me
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to David's inspirational story and Olympic quest. Thanks to Paula Meyer, David's aunt, and our good family friend for serving as the matchmaker for this podcast. My wife and I donated $500 to the Challenged Athletes Fund in David's name, given how instrumental the organization was in his life. In the show notes, I'll also include the charity link so you can donate as well if you're so inclined. Going forward, I'm also going to keep listeners abreast of how David performs in the June team trials and ultimately the Paralympics in August. If you've enjoyed heavy hitter sports so far, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, and then give me a favorable review to help the cause. Thank you, sports fans. Tune in next Tuesday for my talk with one of the biggest guys in the game, and also one of the most kind, generous, and funny dudes in the NFL, that being Zach Banner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll leave you with the music that I'm hoping David hears from the podium in Tokyo. As the anthem plays, I'm sure the tears from family, friends, and newfound podcast supporters will flow. May the banner and triumph wave.